increasing motivation of cyber action is actually increasing risk. Welcome everyone to the Industrial Security Podcast. My name is Nate Nelson. I'm here with Andrew Ginter, the Vice President of Industrial Security at Waterfall Security Solutions. He's going to introduce the subject and the guest of today's show. Andrew, how are you? I'm very well. Thank you, Nate. Our guest today is Yossi Schneck. Yossi leads the Cyber Entrepreneurship Business Unit at Israel Electric Corporation. And, you know, before he did that, he was, I don't know, for decades, the the Senior Vice President for Information Systems, Communication Systems, and the Chief Cyber Officer at Israel Electric. And his topic today is, you know, perhaps not surprisingly going to be cybersecurity in the electric sector. Okay, then here's you and Yossi. Hello, Yossi, and uh, thank you for joining us. Uh, before we get started, can you say a few words uh, about your background and, and about your role at Israel Electric? Yeah, hello, Andrew, and thank you for having me. So uh, uh, my resume is very boring resume because I'm working for 46 years for Israel Electric Corporation, so it's my only and single company I never ever worked. After I finished my studies, I, I studied computer science and later on business uh, uh, business management, and uh, I, I have a lot of position in, in during those long years in, in IEC, but all of them were around uh, computer science uh, and, and computer systems, starting in the R&D division of Israel Electric, dealing with supercomputing and parallel computing. Later on with a lot of electronics, I was head of the electronic uh, unit of, of Israel Electric. And then I uh, actually become the CIO of the company. And in all those years, I always embedded uh, what was called previously data security and later on, uh, later on uh, cyber. I, I specialize on it. I, I dealt with it in the company and in many additional uh, national projects in, in uh, Israel. And uh, it, it actually leads to, to my today's job. We founded about two years ago a cyber entrepreneurship unit that is basically developing uh, uh, different uh, products and services, uh, gathering our long and vast experience in very harsh cyber environment, geopolitical environment, all our experience and uh, changing it into services and products that we make available to all our colleagues and friends all over the world. Before we get into the, uh, the cybersecurity uh, part of the electric sector, can you, can you just talk about the electric sector in Israel? Can you give me an outline of, of all the pieces and, and how they fit together? Yeah, so uh, the electric sector in Israel, uh, in, in differentiating from, from other OECD or, or uh, not only OECD, modern, modern country, is is uh, different uh, because of several characteristics. First of all, it it is an electrical island, so we are not interconnected to any neighbor or any other supporting uh, entities that can uh, help us in in case in case of of uh, problems in electricity. On the other hand, we are also not able to sell somebody our our uh, uh, energy. We are vertically integrated uh, utilities, so we actually are uh, are doing everything uh, uh, regarding the chain, the supply chain of electricity, meaning 
generation, transmission, distribution, and supply. And in most of those uh, uh, sectors, we are a monopoly today. Uh, the only part that was uh, more significantly uh, privatized was the generation part, but still we are uh, producing today about 70% of the uh, uh, electric energy in Israel, so we, we are still the largest one. Uh, the transmission and distribution are, uh, are uh, going to be, even in the future, uh, natural monopoly, so we will uh, stay monopoly. Monopol. And on the supply, we still hold uh, uh, more than 90% of the market today. We are not uh, allowed to compete until we will uh, uh, reach 60%. And after we reach 60% uh, of the market, we will be allowed to compete again uh, in the supply supply chain market. We so so it's a it's I, I would say it's not so developed market as you are used in in the states or in uh, Europe, uh, but in, on the other hand, it's a market uh, and the electricity sector is very very critical because of those characteristics. No uh, no neighbor neighboring backup uh, and very very tough and harsh uh, geopolitical environment. The rules and regulations that Yossi just mentioned there with regards to Israel's electric sector, uh, they seem a, a bit labyrinthine to me. Um, is this normal for countries and is this the normal way of doing things? Kind of. I mean, I'm I'm more familiar with the uh, the North American sector. So let me maybe compare to North America. Um, you know, the, the four components Yossi talked about are, are in a sense universal. Uh, every power sector anywhere has to generate power, has to transmit power from the generators to the consumers. There's usually some distance because you don't want to put huge power plants in the middle of cities. So there's a transmission grid, um, needs to distribute power within the cities, and needs to control the entire grid. There's a control function. In North America, uh, mostly the, in, in most jurisdictions, the uh, the generation has been privatized long ago. It's a it's a competitive market for power generation, just like Israel. You know, Israel was privatized more recently. Yossi said, um, and you know, Israel Electric still generates most of the power, but private power generators are are coming online. In North America, you know, the market is big enough that often you'll have competing transmission grids. So you know, I live in Alberta, in Canada, and you know, we're a comparatively small. Uh, province. We've got, I think, 4 million people, but we have two transmission grids, whereas Israel has just the one. Um, and, you know, down east, you've got lots of, of competing transmission grids. Um, distribution, pretty much worldwide, is what, you know, Yossi said is a natural monopoly. Um, it makes no sense to run two power lines into every home in every city or every apartment building in every city. And so you run just the one line. It's a monopoly. It's a regulated industry. Maybe where the difference is biggest is the, the control centers. Israel is an island uh, electrically. They uh, have you know sort of one control system managing, uh, you know, balancing power generation against power uh, consumption uh, countrywide. In North America, we have you know several interconnects, which are very large islands that are are you know lots of generators and transmission grids interconnected, so they can back each other up in an emergency, and the control 
center system is quite a bit more complicated. There are sort of very high-level – there's, there's hierarchies of control centers because it's such a large geography. It's such a large system. The one exception is maybe Texas, and we saw that very recently with the outages there. Texas is not interconnected to anybody else, just like Israel. They are you know, an island unto themselves. They are control centers unto themselves. Um, you know, they do have uh, a competitive generation uh, market, just like uh, Israel and the rest of North America. But, you know, they have some of the, uh, maybe some of the simplifications that, that you see in, in smaller islanded uh, power sectors as well. So that's, that's sort of the, probably more detail than you wanted. No, I mean, where Texas might be an example of of the consequences of a a natural disaster on a single uh, control system, an isolated one, I'm wondering, um, because you mentioned that Israel is a kind of island, that it uses this sort of unified control system, how that affects uh, cybersecurity. Does it make the whole country more vulnerable than if their system were more diversified like a larger country would have? That's a good question. Um, in my estimation, though, I think it's it's uh, it's the other way around. Um, because Israel is comparatively physically small, and there is uh, a monopoly provider, Israel Electric Corporation, sort of controlling most of the, the the power grid. You know, the only things that are sort of independent are some of the generators now, um, but all of the rest of the grid is sort of under one. Uh, regime, one one decision-making process, um, I will suggest that that actually makes the whole system easier to secure because you can implement policies and it's, you know, you and your employees that are, are, are doing this and, and they can just make security happen. Whereas in North America, there's so many organizations involved and if you want any kind of consistent security posture, now you have to implement rules and regulations that all of the, the organizations have to follow, and they all interpret them a little bit differently. I will suggest that security, cybersecurity, is quite a bit more complicated in North America than it is in Israel. And in a sense, this is a good thing, because the threat environment in Israel really is, uh, in a sense, extreme. And so you know, it's a good thing that they have maybe a, a, a tool or two under their belt that you know, the rest of the world doesn't in order to lock down their own uh, cybersecurity posture and, and ensure you know, reliable electricity supply. And I hear that. Um, but one thing that I hear from you often is that an adversary with enough resources and enough motivation will almost certainly uh, get into your system one way or another. Um, so maybe what I'm wondering about is consequences, that if you have a centralized system like this, um, whatever that adversary would do would affect everybody at once in a major way, as opposed to something more decentralized. And, you know, there there might be some of that, but, you know, as I said, there's 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 pluses and minuses to a, a smaller system. Um, you've just identified one of the minuses. I identified some of the pluses. Um, you know, compared to the North American system where, you know, it's it's incredibly complicated. One of the advantages now, you know, that's a disadvantage. That's a, you know, that's a a problem in a sense, cybersecurity-wise, with the North American system. One of the advantages of the North American system is that it is so massively redundant. Even if you do manage to take out one of the transmission providers, or three of the transmission providers, or you know, as many as you know, fifty power plants, it's you know, the impact on the overall grid is is minute. Um, so, you know, 
I guess the bottom line here is, yeah, you can you can uh, talk about uh, advantages and disadvantages of smaller systems. You can talk about advantages and disadvantages of larger systems. Um, you know, each of them have both. Can you talk a little bit about about uh, you know? Let's call it connectivity. How the how the automation is connected? Because I know that in in some markets, in in other geographies, in North America, you know, um, often it, there, there's different regions. Um, you know, sometimes in my understanding, you'll have to go to the internet. You have to bid your power on a day ahead auction market. Um, the auction market is connected into some parts of the, the the grid control system as opposed to individual power plant control systems. It's all connected. And the connectedness is, of course, a concern when it comes to cybersecurity. With a, you know, in a sense, a less open market, does that mean that you are less connected, that you have fewer of the, the, the connectivity cybersecurity problems that we see in, in other parts of the world? Uh, as you as you uh, already answered in your in your question, Andrew, uh, uh, being not connected or interconnected, uh, it it has some some uh, uh, cons because because of uh, not having some uh, additional ability to be backed up or something like it. But on the other hand, from the cyber side, it's it's better because less connection are actually exposing you to less risk from from different. Uh, connections uh, for cyber risk and and so and so. So we are less interconnected with external entities. In addition, uh, our our management is not based on on uh, on on uh, different uh, business uh, processes, but it's purely based on single center of management and the EMS systems that manages actually all the electricity, all the network. And the generation in in uh, in uh, Israel until recent it was part of Israel Electric because Israel Electric until recent was a monopoly. Today it's a, a governmental separate governmental company that regulates and manages actually the electric the electric market and the electric market is mainly managed according to uh, efficiency and to the cost of electricity. Uh, generally all over Israel and not between uh, different companies. Because of the initial states we are in, the private uh, producers are actually selling uh, selling their electricity with, uh, I think, uh, 7 or 8% uh, lower price that, uh, than Israel Electric is allowed, but the whole tariff is totally regulated. Not IEC and not other companies are setting the tariff. The tariff set by by the government, by the government, by by uh, uh, the Ministry of Energy uh, and the, the Electric uh, Utility Authority. And uh, actually, there is not competition on on uh, prices. Let's come to the 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 cybersecurity topic. What are the current challenges in cybersecurity in in your part of the world in your part of the the industry you know especially for for critical infrastructures what are the challenges you folks are facing um, I, I would say that the, um, there are few challenges and all of them uh, I, I don't think it's something uh, unique uh, it's unique all over the world is uh, is focusing on on the ICS on the industrial control system on the industrial systems 
and and definition what the, what actually industrial system is. Uh, the challenge uh, is based on on simple uh, simple definitions that today many and many of systems that were not purely industrial in the past but because uh, we are spreading more and more the digital and and uh, and control processes in almost any of our life process uh, we can say that the the uh, industrial control system on on or uh, or pure control system are growing and and uh, more and more uh, spread all over the all over the world and this this uh, actually trend is increasing significantly the attack surface. So, uh, and and if I go uh, again back to electric utility to Israel, uh, it it become uh, one of the most uh, I I would say attractive uh, uh, abilities of the adversaries to find in those system uh, to find to find in those system. A unique, special, and lot of points where they can penetrate and at the end laterally move and, and get to the main target, to the main controlling system. I would add additional uh, additional challenge, uh, and I, I say it very, very simply. The return of investment of the adversaries, the ROI of the adversaries, and never mind what is their target, if it is money or, or political or... or uh, or, uh, or uh, other, the return of investment for the adversary is very high. Actually, the investment to penetrate to compromise is low, and and the, and the uh, results are are usually uh, very very good. If it is ransomware or if it is a success to to uh, disturb your your uh, supply of water or supply of of energy, and uh, this is the main challenge. How how actually practically to 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 create a situation where where the ROI for the for the adversaries will become uh, lower and lower and lower and uh, until a point that we will not be so attractive for them. So if the if the ROI is uh, you know if the return is high because the cost is low you know presumably the the cost is low because computers. And connectivity are are making the cost low. Um, you know, is there is there stuff in the in the in the world of technology that you know that we can be using? Are there trends you've noticed? Is there is there technology out there that can be used to increase the cost and you know reduce the ROI? So so uh, just just to uh, to talk a little bit about the cost again. Uh, it's true. The cost is lower because because the cost of the of the equipment of the computers and everything, but the cost is lower also in 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 uh, in comparison in comparison to the traditional uh, welfare to the traditional uh, a, a physical work and and physical uh, uh, equipment and arms are costing lot and lot and lot and of more and and. Even though uh, some sophisticated cyber attacks is also it, it costs sometimes millions and maybe even more, but comparing it to the cost of, of different arms and everything, you know, uh, if you are talking about the about the uh, uh, 
fighter, uh, air, air, air fighter, you are talking about tens of millions of dollars for every piece. So, so it's not comparable. So this is additional uh, uh, reason why I'm saying that it is uh, it is actually cheap, or, or the return of investment is very very good. Uh, now about about the innovations and and the different things. So I I would divide them into two different groups. The first one is purely technical, and uh, and I am saying and we we talk about it in in our previous sessions. Uh, for example, uh, 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 technically, if you take if you take uh, equipment or, or systems like uh, are produced by waterfall. It, it's create kind of innovation of of, uh, of blocking uh, the only way to attack system and uh, actually the only way is using the data streams to to to, to your uh, critical or, or ICS system. So this is the example of of technical innovation uh, that you brought to the world, and there are several additional like this that are helping us. Uh, very sophisticated techniques on on uh, end device protection and so and so that are uh, penetrating today the defense world and and are very usable. So this is the first group. The second group is is based on on uh, is based on on uh, I would say one and and very very uh, unique but very very popular today uh, entity and it's using more efficient and smartly the data and information by using the different artificial intelligence techniques to be able to do something that we are still missing in the cyber uh, defense, uh, cyber defense, uh, uh, it is predicting. We are not able today to predict even, uh, even not on a short, uh, short prediction, uh, Period. We are not able to predict what is going to happen. We are always, we are always uh, surprised. And if I can uh, characterize a little bit the, the cyber defense today, I would say that is not. Uh, it is not. Uh, um, I would say. I would say it's, it's defensive only. It's, it's based usually on something that already happened. We are. We are almost not able to. To. Uh, see what what will happen even in the next ten minutes, and this is one of the problems. And from my uh, point of view, the main innovation for it is actually using uh, the the uh, what I call the data journey, uh, tra transferring the data from data to information, from information to knowledge. That this we are doing very good, and from knowledge to what I call wisdom. And and it should be done, and it must be done not only on the technical level. It must be done on many other different levels, like uh, like uh, enhance our decision making, uh, decision making with with uh, smart support, enhance our ability to incorporate lot of, a lot of additional information into our risk analysis, into our cyber defense planning, into our cyber defense activity. And at the end of the day, into our cyber ability to recover. This is and and in those uh, and I I can see in the last year and uh, and it's it's increasing more and more that those techniques 
of, of uh, intelligence, of artificial intelligence, uh, machine learning, uh, sophisticated machine learning uh, is, is increasing. And I think this is the main direction that we will see in the near future. So Yossi's strikes me as a, as a pretty holistic view to cybersecurity, um, perhaps I would imagine owing to his uh, sort of dual position in business and security, the, the nature of his job. I think so. And, you know, his, what he's doing right now is, is leading a business unit that is making Israel Electric Corporation's cyber experience available to other power companies all over the world. Um, you know, and so... You know he's he's got a holistic view. I th- I suggest for two reasons. One is that this is what Israel Electric does. They've been targets for such a long time that they do a little of everything. They do everything that's that's practical. They do as much of it as as makes sense in their very difficult threat environment, and that's given them a you know a, a perspective of you know balancing how much of what to do versus you know this other stuff to do, and you know for the second reason Israel Electric is making their experience available to other other power companies, and so he is now recommending this holistic sort of integrated perspective to other companies to make them uh, you know secure in in their own their own environments. Can you give us you know a concrete example of you know uh, data becoming information, becoming knowledge. Can you, can you give us a concrete example of of that in 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 this space? Yeah, I I I, I will give you some examples that uh, we 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 have actually embedded it all already in into our into our systems, into our uh, products and services, and and we call it the butterfly effect. Uh, it's called butterfly effect because what we are doing there, we are we are actually checking or gathering information that uh, that seems uh, not relevant uh, in in the in the standard techniques uh, used today to 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 different analysis, and we are looking for the, for what we call uh, weak signals. So this analysis is done by, by uh, again, using uh, artificial intelligent uh, techniques to understand if some data or piece of information uh, that we have found in, in, in some uh, corner uh, uh, of the world can or is able to develop at the end of the day to real cyber risk, okay? And I, I will give a, I will give an example. I will not uh, I will not mention the name of the company, but I, I will uh, I will mention uh, the case uh, to 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 describe what what I mean by by uh, weak signals or or as we call it butterfly effect. Company uh, I can only say that it was in Europe. Uh, was uh, heavily attacked, uh, heavily attacked by by an adversary. Uh, the attack was not uh, the purpose of the attack was not money, even though they they asked for some uh, small amount of money. So we understand that it's not money. The 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 uh, actual uh, target of the adversaries was to influence a very important uh, business process. Uh, including uh, uh, involving or, or influencing uh, the level of of, uh, of uh, market price of the product that uh, this industry 
the attacked industry is, is uh, developing. So th this is the case. They succeeded, the adversary succeeded. They, they caused a lot of uh, damage to the organization. Uh, for a long time, they, they actually were unable to, to uh, return to uh, full, uh, full activity and a lot of uh, financial and uh, damages and so and so. And, and even it, it succeeded to influence the, the price of the product that they are producing. Now, this is the story. We, we have actually checked with, uh, with our abilities if there was something uh, that we could have uh, be signaled uh, before it happened uh, and, and to, to, uh, to, to actually predict or, or to be more prepared for such, such an event. And we found, and uh, this is interesting, we found that it appeared several times starting about 12 or even 13 months months before before the uh, actual attack it increased all the time but it was never never in a in a in a normal analysis uh, could be explained as a real uh, uh, and and uh, tangible risk and only in our uh, in our uh, models it actually predicted that it can uh, become, and when I say it can become, we calculate the, the probability that it will become a risk or, or uh, something like this. And it, it's, it, it brings you a kind of prediction that uh, uh, on the other hand, it, it can never happen. Maybe it, it will never happen, but it, it enables you to prepare you more specifically according to the uh, weak signals to, to to a possible attack or, or possible compromise in the future. So it's a, it is a real a real example. Uh, I cannot uh, talk about details of, of the company and everything, but it's a real example. So just to summarize uh, my long answer, uh, we uh, one of the techniques using the AI is actually take different Focus, it, it's, it's focus. We are not gathering information, endless information from everywhere. We, we have some techniques how to narrow our, our world of, uh, of data or information that we are looking for, but it is still very, very broad and we are able to uh, find some signals that are normally uh, not taken uh, in account or there are uh, not not being uh, uh, recognized as, as developing risk and and put them on the table for uh, uh, additional decisions that the organization can make thanks for that uh, i'm i'm still a little bit confused um can you talk just a little more about what information you used in terms of the weak signal? Were we talking threat intelligence, you know, chatter in, in uh, uh, you know, forums on the internet, or are we talking, uh, you know, patterns of, of packets testing firewalls on the corporate firewall? Or, you know, can, can you give us just a clue what, what information was, was actually used there? Andrew, yeah, I, I, I can give you exact clue. We, we, we used information uh, that is based on, uh, on, on, uh, on uh, open, open uh, source information, open sources information. And the information that we use 
was information that uh, is based on on economical news. From the economical from the economical use, we can predict that it can develop to somebody that will get appetite, okay, to 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 uh, act against against some organization or even against nation or even against uh, against uh, enterprise. So you're talking about predicting or tracking motivation. Is that right? Yeah, it's something like this. And and to your to your previous question, you know, it at the end of the day, it's composition on 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 lot of. It, it's not a single single uh, signal, but it's a signal that to actually be become a weak signal. It's enforced by different uh, additional sources. Some of them technical sources like thread analysis and and uh, and and different things. But uh, the main point is to to uh, identify the seed one, the first one, the, the the seed one that we can actually analyze and and uh, to see if if it creates. Uh, yeah, uh, you you can you you define it very well. If you if if it creates increasing motivation for some uh, cyber action, increasing motivation of cyber action is actually increasing risk. Waterfall Security Solutions is the OT security company, and we are a long-standing partner of OSIsoft. Process historians generally, and the OSIsoft Pi server in particular, are almost always at the heart of IT-OT integration and industrial security programs. Waterfall's new ebook is Cybersecurity for Pi Servers. The new book looks at the limitations of classic network security designs that use firewalls and DMZs with Pi servers. The book compares these classic DMZ approaches to modern security designs that use unidirectional security gateways. To understand how Pi servers interact with IT-OT security, and to see how to improve industrial security with unidirectional gateways, please download our new ebook. You can find the ebook at the Waterfall Security website in the white papers area under the resources menu. So, Nate, I found this example fascinating, even though there was not a lot of detail here. Um, this is the kind of attack where you you uh, attack a provider of a commodity in order to affect futures markets or you know the the uh, the, the spot market for the commodity in a period of high demand. I predicted that this kind of attack was possible back in, I forget, 2012, 2013. Um, you know, I documented the possibility in uh, a white paper in 2017. It's uh, documented as a possibility in, in you know, chapter 12 of my, of my black book. But I've never actually heard a public report of such an event. And even though Yossi was thin on details here, this is exactly the attack he's talked about. You know, the attackers apparently attacked a site in order to affect commodities prices so they could make a large amount of money on a commodities market, you know, speculating on these prices, and disguised the attack as common ransomware with, you know, a modest ransom demand. You know, what does this mean? Well, 
again, back almost 10 years ago, in the, in the years following Stuxnet, I was looking around and, you know, Stuxnet embodied a whole bunch of attacks that had only been theoretical before that. And one by one in the months that followed Stuxnet, you know, we heard about other exotic attacks. You know, the, the NSA was accused of embedding uh, malware in the firmware of hard drives that were shipped to, you know, adversaries. One by one, these theoretical things that people had talked about in sort of the first decade of the, the, the 21st century um, became real. And I concluded, you know, we should really be paying attention to the predictions that cyber gurus are making of, you know, you got to keep an eye on this because sooner or later it's going to happen. Every one of these predictions has, has come true over time. Here's another prediction that was made almost 10 years ago and has come true. Um, the threat environment continues to get worse. We have to watch what's possible because it looks like, you know, in my experience, sooner or later, everything that is possible becomes real. When you bring information like this to a business, you know, the decision makers in that business, they've got to use the information. You know, do they have, do they have the skills to appreciate the, uh, you know, the importance of the information? Do they have the skills to be able to use the information? I think, and uh, maybe there are some uh, cases that, that I'm not right, but uh, the people that uh, are achieving uh, high-level management uh, positions in, in, in enterprises, uh, they have the ability and, and, and the wisdom to get good uh, good decisions and everything. Where is the problem? And, and because of it, uh, we talk about the decision uh, dilemma. The problem is, doesn't, have the, doesn't they have the right uh, information and data and basis to get proper decision? And, and uh, this, this is a problem uh, again, I, I'm talking mainly about uh, cyber, even though uh, I, have, I have faced such a problem in, in other uh, uh, sectors too, but in cyber, until today, we, there is a, a, a big gap, a huge gap between the information that we are um, uh, producing. Uh, when I say we, uh, we, the cyber, uh, cyber experts, are producing and 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 uh, handing to to our decision makers, to our high level decision makers, C level decision makers, uh, there is a gap between what we are sending and and how she, how they should uh, should translate it to how they should translate it to to a decision that is a, a enterprise organization policy or or action decision. The next challenge after after you get all the information, everything is to translate it to the language of the audience, to talk of the, of the uh, language of the audience. And I participated in a lot of, uh, a lot of management me meetings. Uh, some of them, I, I was the, the man that actually reported. Uh, in my initial stages, I made a lot and a lot of mistakes. I, I came to the seaboard level uh, meeting and I talk about the parameters in firewall and, and so on and so. But a uh, long time ago, I, I understood that this is not the way, and we started. And uh, not only, not only uh, personally and vocally, but we 
again, invested in, in mechanism and system, and we are still investing into systems that are able to take what we call the raw picture, the raw situation. So gathering all the risk and all the signals and all the, all the, all the interpretation on the basis of the cyber basis and translate them to the language of the audience. So you guys are talking about how to translate these kinds of things for decision makers, um, the technical stuff for the business people. Um, but Andrew, could you provide maybe a more concrete example of how this might work? Here's an example. I mean, in, in my experience, um, business decision makers, like Yossi said, are, are very smart. They may not have a deep understanding of the technical nitty-gritty of cybersecurity, but in my experience, they can and they do under, understand attack scenarios. So, for example, you know, I work with uh, perimeter protection a lot. This is this is Waterfall's business, and so we we talk to, you know, senior decision makers all the time about firewalls, and uh, you know, they say, well, we have a firewall. We, you know, aren't we aren't we secure at the perimeter? And we say, well. You know, if uh, someone steals the password to the firewall, they can log in, they can change the settings, and now it's not providing the protection you thought it was. Oh yeah, I want that fixed. That's 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 unacceptable. Okay, um, you know, if you fix that, let's say by I don't know, doing really strong password protection. Um, here's a here's another attack scenario: firewalls or software. The bad guys could find a vulnerability in the software, a zero day that you know nobody else has found before. Exploit the vulnerability, take over the firewall, and you know again render it ineffective. Is that a threat that's acceptable? And you know some of them say yes, I'm willing to live with that threat. Others say no, I want that fixed too. So fine, we you know put hardware in place, we design systems that will not be susceptible to that level of attack. Okay, here's a third residual risk, a third you know class of attack. Um, pay an insider to give us detailed information, give the bad guys detailed information about the design of the system, the design of the security system, all of the security mechanisms that are in place, because if you have enough time, money, and talent, anything can be got around. So give this information to an adversary with a lot of time, money, and talent. We're talking PhDs. We're talking millions of dollars to spend on the attack. Develop autonomous malware, malware that once it's let loose on the network will evade all of the security mechanisms on the network because all security, if you, you know, any particular mechanism, if you work at it hard enough, can be evaded. Now we've invested, you know, the, the adversary has invested millions or tens of millions of dollars in malware that will evade everything and will do bad stuff on the network in spite of all of our best efforts. And again, pay uh, a compromised insider to let it loose inside the network. I, you know, do we need to address that threat? And, you know, as you describe more and more exotic, more and more expensive attacks like this, at some point the business decision makers say, "No, we'll, you know, we have some mechanisms in place that will detect some of that. You know, it may not reliably defeat that, but that's a risk we're willing to accept because the cost of addressing that risk is so very large, and the cost to the attacker is so very large that." they've made a business decision that, you know, this is the level where they're going to draw the line and say that's that's acceptable. So, um, again, in my experience, explaining risk 
and explaining your risk information and your defensive information in terms of credible attack scenarios is something that the business decision makers do understand. And you know, there's 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 other approaches to this as well, but that's that's one concrete example. So we've been talking about uh, you know problems and solutions, sort of in the abstract, um, but. At IEC, your your business unit is working to solve these problems. I mean, you folks have been doing cybersecurity for a very long time in a in a very challenging environment, um, and you're making your solutions available to other people. Can you talk about you know what what is available from your organization if if somebody is interested, um, you know what what can they call on you for? Okay. I, I, as, as, as you said, and as I said, we are still very, very young, even though we are dealing with, with uh, cyber for more than 26 years. Uh, our, our, uh, our unit that actually translates or, or transfers our knowledge and experience to services and products uh, is, is uh, uh, only, only two years, uh, two years old. So we are still part of the things are still in development, but I, I would divide it into two main things that we can provide uh, and uh, we are very proud about. The first, the first one is a family uh, of what we call uh, Pro, Pro, we, we, it, it's called Sophic. Uh, the name of the services is called Sophic. Sophic is in ancient Greek wisdom. Uh, so, so uh, uh, the first one is Sophic Pro Professional Services. It's it it's kind of uh, four different uh, uh, domains. Of one is consulting services. Again, consulting services based on very unique and and uh, uh, models and and tools that we have developed. For example. Uh, to provide uh, a very smart, rapid uh, uh, assessment or maturity assessment, very smart and rapid IoT systems assessment, very, very unique model of, of uh, cyber organization assessment. So, so one is consulting and assessments. Second one is actually actual planning. We are able to support and to plan uh, 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 cyber cyber socks, uh, cyber fusion centers, uh, seams, or or uh, different new uh, entities that are done. We are able to advise on it. We are able to plan them and until uh, full plan. And with our uh, partner company, we are able even to implement them. So this is the circle. So for example, we can take SOC, We can take. If you uh, want us to plan your cyber organization according again to our models and practices, uh, it's it's additional thing. The third one is second opinion. We we are able to take different things that you have done in your organization uh, by other company or by yourself, like assessments, like planning, like risk analysis, and and so and so, and give you very very fast. And, and quick and very based uh, on our experience, adapted uh, to your standards and to everything, uh, uh, second opinion about what we think about it and uh, uh, what are our, our uh, additions to it if, if, if needed. And the fourth one's our workshop. We have three professional workshops. Two of them are intended for 
for sea level and high level management, uh, recognizing uh, cyber and everything. And the third one is uh, uh, intended for mainly OT, not cyber people, but OT function, function uh, OT employees, starting from uh, operators, man managers, and and uh, and uh, different OT functionalities. Uh, to actually make them recognize to uh, to the cyber and 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 some steps that can that can they can do it very very helps also uh, about the previous question to 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 keep them and to understand them different decisions that sometimes the management is making the last one the second uh, is is pure ot uh, tools and i would uh, uh, put one, uh, I will shortly in a minute uh, do uh, uh, all of them. One is actually very unique, uh, remote uh, access to your ICS uh, and control system by your vendors. It's a, it's a very, uh, again, a very unique tool uh, with very, very high uh, security of, of, of this uh, very risky uh, channel to your, to your heart of your system. Uh, we have uh, developed a tool or a system uh, that is called Sophic, uh, Sophic Info, that it is a, a cleansing and, and a sanitizing system when you need uh, to transfer from any source uh, data or information to your uh, IT and OT environment. Again, uh, proved uh, and, and very, very unique. And the last one, I think it's the jewel in the crown, uh, is, is something that uh, we see more and more in, in, in most of the industries that all the changes on OT system are done directly on the production system. There are no testing systems. There are no ability to, uh, to test anything that you are doing. Everything is done directly uh, on a production system. So we have created uh, or built a, a system called Sophic Zone that is a, again a unique validation system that enables to validate and to to simulate or emulate your operational system and on top of, top of it uh, uh, again attack cyber attack machines that can check uh, uh, and, and and even predict different uh, new attacks that can happen so you have environments that enables you to test anything that you are doing you want to do like patching, like changing, like upgrading, like like uh, reconfiguring your operational system. You can check the operational consequences and other and other hand other hand the, the cyber consequences. So those are the three products: Sophic Info, Sophic Zone, and and uh, Sophic Access. So Nate, that was that was a lot of stuff that that Yossi burned through. I mean, they they do a lot of stuff. Um, you know, they obviously do a bunch of stuff on the on the services side. I'm a technology geek, though, so what what leapt out at me was uh, two things. One is their remote access and what they call their information cleansing. Now, you know, these folks use uh, unidirectional gateway hardware uh, in lots of places, and so that renders their outbound, you know, from the control system out to the world. It renders those data flows in a sense low risk. Nothing can get back 
in to, to mess with operations in those, those communications channels. But there's always something that has to come back. You need some kind of remote access. You need some kind of you know, control information. Please produce three megawatts more of power. You need something trickling back in. And those are high-risk communications channels. So they, you know, he's saying they've focused some attention on um, how to deal with the, those high-risk channels. But what really struck me was the uh, the simulation system. I mean, I remember uh, very recently talking to a, a gentleman saying, "Look, I've got a power plant with uh, you know four you know five hundred megawatt generating units, but we're focused on efficiency. Our mandate is to produce power at the lowest practical cost, and so." I don't have the money to buy another, you know, it's it's going to cost millions of dollars to buy another control system to have a, you know, you got four generating, generating units to have a fifth control system that we can use for testing and security and, you know, putting security updates on and seeing if they work. Um, you know, is there any way to solve that problem? And here's a way to solve it. You know, the uh, the folks at, at Israel Electric with their SOFIC simulator i got the impression that they probably have some real control system components on there they probably simulate others very effectively but what they've done is they've built up the ability to have a test system that simulates and predicts the results of changes to your you know security changes to your your live systems and your you know the the customers can share the cost of that test system across many customers so that you don't have to have every customer buy yet another copy of every control system they have um, you know you can you can share that investment by taking advantage of a uh, sort of a, a central testing and simulation facility so that that struck me as very new and, and very interesting before we let you go you know can you sum up uh, for our listeners is there a thought you'd like to leave with our listeners I, I will summarize I will summarize it in our uh, most of our years in, in uh, cyber defense, we we put huge focus on on the on the technical uh, uh, side. Uh, we put a lot, lot of focus on the uh, network analysis and everything, and it's it's excellent. I, I say it's excellent. This is actually the uh, heart or or the the basis of the cyber defense, but it doesn't. Uh, uh, actually, uh, promise you that uh, you uh, only doing it, you will win, uh, win the war, or even won, win the battle. If 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 we take uh, an example, we can see that the number of compromises, number of attacks, and the surface is uh, growing all the time. Even though our tools are going uh, are being more and more implemented and and uh, sophisticated. So the missing link is to make an integration between the technical, excellent technical layer with additional layer that we call the managerial layer. The managerial layer that includes all the abilities of improving your decision making, improving your, your uh, uh, ability to act uh, in, in very difficult uh, and, and uh, uh, dynamic uh, changing environment, ability to predict, ability to be prepared, more prepared, and ability, as I opened our discussion, and ability to increase the cost and the price of adversaries' uh, activities.
to increase their price and to make it less and less uh, attractive uh, for them. And uh, if I'm uh, talking about the services and the products that uh, we uh, are actually creating and producing according to the long and vast experience of IC Cyber, I can say that uh, we are mainly touching the additional or the missing layer that at the end of the day, the integration between those two layers, the technical layer and the, the managerial layer, it will create uh, the ability to better, uh, to be uh, protected, to increase the price of, of, uh, of uh, attacking us. And I think the one of the most important thing to balance between the organizational and the business needs of the organization uh, with with proper protection and ability to uh, fast and, and cheaply recover. So I invite all of you to to connect us uh, uh, on on our uh, uh, website uh, on uh, uh, with our email. Our website is uh, is uh, Sophic. Uh, uh, Sofic, uh, IEC, sofic.iec.co.il uh, and and uh, the, the same uh, you can also uh, go to IEC Cyber uh, Strudel IEC COIL or dot IEC COIL all of them are uh, getting to our site and you are invited to connect us directly we will be more than glad to present you more deeply about our uh, services and products thank you very much Andrew, take us out. Yeah, so my my take here is that in spite of touching on some, you know, some some interesting technology aspects, what Yossi said just now is that what's important is communicating with with business decision makers, with uh, you know, persuading those decision makers to act on cybersecurity. Because until we have a decision to act, until we have budget to act, we don't get a chance to play with any of this technology to to solve the problem. So to me, that, that was interesting. What's important is getting the business decision makers on side with the, the information and the, the communications. With that, thanks to Yossi Schneck for interviewing with us. And thank you, Andrew, for speaking with me. Always a pleasure. Thank you, Nate. This has been the Industrial Security Podcast from Waterfall. Thanks to everyone out there listening. Mm-hmm.